Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to remind you that the show is also available on YouTube. And starting from episode number 101, it's all in 4K. I'm trying to make the best video podcast I can, so definitely check it out and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Go to youtube.com slash at progressionspod or hit the link in the show notes. If you're not getting enough progressions and you want to get even more thoughts on creativity, productivity, and growth in music, then you should sign up for my newsletter. You'll find a brief article in each monthly edition as well as updates on progressions and myself. I'm also sharing some workflow hacks and links to stuff that I found interesting or helpful. So it should be fun. If you want to stay up to date on the latest and get all the bonus stuff, go to travisferencecom slash subscribe or click the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome to Progression, success in the music industry. I'm your host, Travis Ference, and this is episode number 38. In today's interview, I sit down with a couple people who are making one of my favorite plugins right now. And there's a fair bit of talk about productivity, so I thought today might be the day to finally talk about a book that I've been wanting to get into with y'all, Atomic Habits by James Clear. At this point, we all know that I've become a self-professed productivity nerd and that I've read a lot of productivity books. And out of all of them, Atomic Habits is probably the one I connected the most with. I think it was the way he laid the information out. It's all very similar concepts to other books and articles, but the way he put it together is really what clicked with me. Now, before I hit you with a few ideas from the book, I should probably address why you, a musician or producer, etc., should be interested in your habits. Well, let me ask you this. I'm guessing that there's something in your life that you want to change or improve on. Habits will change that thing. You want to learn a new instrument? There's a habit to fix that. You want to build a more engaged audience of listeners and followers? Habit for that, too. You want to finish your solo record, but you can't seem to find the time? There's probably a bad habit you can drop that will get you there. Good habits are the key to unlocking your success in making the changes you want to make. Small, easily executable daily routines will compound to launch you way past your goals. This is the part of Atomic Habits that I think is very connected to Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect, which is another great book that has come up on this show in the past. Okay, so, what are atomic habits? According to James, an atomic habit is a small habit that is a part of a larger system that will compound over time into remarkable change. Think about how atoms are the building blocks of molecules, and how molecules create everything around us. So James argues in his book that if you want to see positive results in your life, you need to forget about setting goals and instead focus on a system that creates positive results. A system made up of, you guessed it, atomic habits. James says, quote, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. So without a solid core of good habits, you will never experience the compounding effect of getting just a little bit better every day. Here's the interesting point, and I think one of the things that makes James' book different than most. He acknowledges that habits are a double-edged sword. Good habits will compound into positive results, and bad habits will compound to, well, negative results. So, With that in mind, not only should you be focusing on building good habits, but you should be focusing on identifying and ending the bad ones as well. As I've said when I summarized books in the past, there is no way I can fit this book into this intro. So I'm going to just tag a couple of the things that have helped me out the most, and maybe that will convince you to check out the book for yourself. First things first, let's talk about the feedback loop that results in habits. I'll use an example directly from the book. First, there is a cue, such as a phone vibrating from a new message. This triggers a craving. In this case, the craving is to check the message. 
there's a response to that craving that occurs, such as you checking the message, and then finally you get the reward of knowing what the message says. Now you put your phone down, go back to working on your music, and two minutes later your phone vibrates again. Cue, craving, response, reward. Rinse and repeat. So with that in mind, think of all the cues in your life that cause you to have a habitual response. It's probably easier to list out some of the negative ones. Checking messages or emails at every buzz. Wanting a pastry every time you get a coffee. Waiting in line and immediately doom-scrolling the internet. Time sucks, distractions, and poor health choices seem to really fall into this category pretty easily. But you can use these cues to build good habits as well. Hopefully you thought of some. I often hear people talk about coming home from work and putting their gym clothes on. The cue of putting the clothes on makes them go to the gym. No gym clothes, no gym. Okay, so with that in mind, I want to share with you the tip from this book that I found the most helpful over all of them. And it could be just me, but this really helped me. James describes a technique that he calls habit stacking. Since habits initially trigger from cues, maybe we can use that to our advantage. First, you need to identify your good and bad habits. You should do this anyway. Now, identify a habit you want to start. Finally, you're going to use one of your habits as a cue for your next new habit. The reward of your first habit becomes the cue for the next. I've built so many habits this way. Here's a really not exciting but totally real-world example. I check all the door locks in the house every night before I go to bed. So that's my starting habit. Now, in the mornings, I get up before my wife, and in our old, thin-walled house, grinding coffee beans in the morning is a no-go. I've actually uh, gone outside to grind them before, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So I decided to stack the habit of grinding my beans and filling the kettle up to my door locking habit. Now, after I lock the kitchen door, I turn around, grind my beans, fill the kettle, and go to bed. Is this the lamest example ever? Completely. But do I grind the beans every night and never forget? 100%. So imagine habit stacking promoting your social media or practicing piano onto something you do every day, like showering or having coffee. Now you can start to see how you can insert these small habits into your daily routine way more easily. I think social media promotion is a great example. We all hate doing it and we avoid it. What if you could find a way to get 15 minutes of that into your day every day habitually? You would see compounding growth for sure. Let's talk eliminating bad habits for a second. You have to make it difficult to do these habits. It's the opposite of how you build good habits. If making the cues obvious helps build good habits, then making the cues invisible helps break bad habits. No cue, no habit. Here's a couple simple examples from my life. When I go into deep work mix mode, I turn on do not disturb on my computer and my phone. No buzz, no pop-up, therefore no cue to check my email or messages. Or how about my real-world pastry with a coffee problem? The place in the corner runs out of blueberry muffins pretty quick. So by going later in the day to get a coffee, I won't see that muffin, and then I won't get anything, because the muffin is the trigger. Now, if I walk in and they still have one, it is still getting bought. I just, I can't stop myself. And that's right in line with another point from the book. The idea that your environment can have more of an effect on your actions than your motivation or your self-control. So design the environment around you to cue your good habits and avoid your bad. You want to make more music? Get your guitar plugged in and ready, your keyboard set up, and leave your phone in the other room. Create an environment that promotes making music easily. So, at this point, pretty much everything I've gone through, I pulled out of the first few chapters of Atomic Habits. So, obviously, I could go on and on and on about this book, 
But we do have an interview that we need to get to. So I'm going to try to close this out in the most elegant way possible. The root of Atomic Habits is behavioral change. Using the ideas and tips that James lays out in the book, you can build a system that will deliver you remarkable results by changing your behaviors. It's about the system. James described it really well when he compared it to sports. The goal of almost any sport is to have the highest score, but you won't get there by staring at the scoreboard. You can only get there by the system that your team is built around. It's the small habits and the system that bring the results. So you want to get results, then you need to make change. And according to James, there are three levels of change. There's outcome change, process change, and identity change. The idea of working backwards from the outcome is how most of us think. If I want to change my outcome to X, then what process can I change to get there? This is basic problem solving. We do it all the time. If you work this way, you will accomplish things, but you will never make it to identity change. If you want to create massive change in your career or your life or whatever, you need to work the opposite way. You need to start with identity change. You need to decide who or what you want to become and then develop the systems and habits that will define that change. See, that's the real power of habits. It's not just that they will get you better results, but more importantly, that they can change your beliefs about yourself. And that's where the real change happens. Okay, so that's it. That is my attempt to summarize James Clear's amazingly written book. Or maybe it would be better to say my attempt to inspire you to read his book. So I hope I didn't offend any super fans because I know there are some huge fans of Atomic Habits out there. And I encourage you to check the book out yourself if you haven't. And after writing this intro, I think I'm going to have to pull this out again because I, I really did enjoy it. So to close out, a direct quote from the book, Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. Today is another rare duo interview. We're joined by Ben Schmitz and Daniel Fine, who, along with Ben's cat, John, make up the audio plugin company Aberrant DSP. Aberrant's flagship product is Sketch Cassette, which has very quickly grown to popularity among producers and mixers around the globe. What started as a senior project at the University of Rochester has now spiraled to a full-time job only a year or so later. So I'm excited to hear how it all went down. So welcome to the show, Ben Schmitz and Daniel Fine. Hey, y'all. How are you? Hey. Good. Thanks for having us. Hey, yeah. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Are, are you guys in New York currently, or are you separated now? I'm in uh, Rochester still. Um, Dan actually just moved to the city. Yeah, New York. Well, the Big New Apple. York City, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I was looking for a change of scenery, yeah. Uh, prior to a few weeks ago, we were working together where Ben is currently in Rochester. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very cool. We're in New York. You, you're like in the belly of the beast? <laughs> I'm in Washington Heights currently. Okay, nice. Yeah, I, I miss New York. I obviously haven't been there in a couple of years. <laughs> Nobody's been anywhere. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to start by saying that I hit you guys up because I love Sketch Cassette. I just absolutely love it. And Shapeshifter. And I just want to tell the audience it's not like a sponsored show. I'm just, I'm, I'm fan, <laughs> I'm fanboying. But uh, yeah, I think it was like an Instagram post or something where it kind of showed that Aberrant DSP was just the two of you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's a cool story because everybody I know is using sketch cassette and i just feel like it's kind of really come out of nowhere and i think it's a fun plug-in so i just wanted to hear the hear what was going on so yeah yeah appreciate you guys coming on so here's all i know is you guys made a plug-in and you met at university of rochester so were you guys musicians were you, you must have been studying code or something right yeah so um we both should we tell did, the full uh, story <laughs> yeah i mean we, let's um, do the 60 percent story yeah <laughs> we both studied uh audio music engineering at University of Rochester, which I'm, it, 
that program kind of drew both of us there. You know, a lot of like uh, college level audio programs are focused more on just studio stuff or, you know, this or that. But um, it really was like a full fledged engineering degree. It was basically, it was like an offshoot of the electrical engineering department. Oh, wow. Okay. And so we thought it was cool that it was like, you know, really in the weeds engineering, but it was audio focused. And yeah, we, um, we were roommates freshman year and then we're, you know, pals and occasionally roommates at other points um, <laughs> throughout college. And then, yeah, did the senior design project together, which ended up being sketch cassette. That's very cool. So it was, uh, it was kind of like a, like a proper electrical engineering, but with an audio focus. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. So that's, co- that's cool. So then were you guys teaching yourself software stuff? You guys are computer people then. Yeah, there were like a fair number of uh, coding classes as part of the major, just as like some of the, you know, prerequisite requirements for the higher level, you know, audio classes. Uh, okay. Or just like, you know, teaching us C++ and all that stuff. I got like a minor in computer science just because I liked coding anyways. We knew that like the senior design project was kind of like this big thing at the end of the degree ever since we got into the program. So even for like years before we started working on it, me and Dan had talked about, oh, we should make a plug-in. We should do like a cassette yeah. thing. Yeah. And, you know, we had no idea what it would end up being. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was uh, kind of a, an idea that we had for a while. Okay, that's cool. So I got to ask, I mean, if you guys were just in college a couple of years ago, then you probably, uh, you didn't grow up with cassettes. I mean, I barely grew up with cassettes. What was the, uh, where'd you guys get into the cassette world? I know my answer. What about you, Dan? <laughs> Uh, well, I think we both uh, kind of grew up with cassettes. We were we grew yeah. up in the CD age, but I, I remember my parents' collection was all cassettes. Uh, so okay. a lot of the early earliest memories I have of listening to music, or whether whether it be like uh, tapes that my parents would buy of like children's music for me growing up. Uh, yeah, it was mostly cassettes and not CDs. Uh, weirdly enough, I think just from my parents' habit. Okay, that's awesome. What, what about you, Ben? Yeah, same. Yeah, like it's yeah, pretty much same thing. And yeah, like you know, for the youngest years of my life, I can remember like you know, cars didn't really have CD players yeah. yet and stuff. So like a lot of the listening to music that you know I would do with you know my family, whatever. Yeah, was on cassettes. I got into my my dad's a huge like music listener. He has this big vinyl collection, and everything, and he'd always like hand off his old stereo equipment to me, and I'd just like screw around with it and have all sorts of fun. But I got really obsessed with like once I figured out that I could like record myself just like doing whatever with a little cassette, you know. Actually, <laughs> this thing right well, we've here. We've got a cassette. There's um, a cassette on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Um, yeah, just a little, you know, like portable recorder. Just like the fact that, oh, I can record my voice and then play it back. You know, when I was like three years old was like super cool. Maybe it's a little um, romanticized, but I, I think that like somewhere in my brain, I accidentally trained my brain really early on to just associate warbly, horrible cassette sounds with, you know, all sorts of these, you know, memories and stuff. So I think it was um, ingrained in kind of a funny yeah. way. You know, when me and Dan talked about this in the past, I think it's kind of cassettes hit us at such an early age that I think it's kind of a weird relationship we have with that kind of sound. Yeah, it's something that was in our heads early on, very early on. I think that's a factor that plays in. 
And then it went away. So then like kind of, you know, when we're we're working on Sketchka set, it felt like, oh man, I haven't heard stuff sound like this in years. Yeah, you know? it's cool. There's like a familiarity, like, uh, you know, I mean, the, you know, tracking records to tape for so many years. It's like, that's what you're used to hearing. And the beginning of the digital world, people were missing that and they wanted to wanted to bring it back. But yeah, my buddy got, my production partner got a Tascam, I think the one that I saw behind you, Ben, and, and we were messing with that the last couple of years. Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. You just take a mix and throw it onto a cassette and comes back. I mean, it's noisy as shit and barely usable, but it's you're just like, man, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where uh, having a plug-in with the hiss knob saves you. You get the, you get the tone. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get all the good stuff and none of the bad if you want it. <laughs> Okay, I wanted to ask you guys about the process. I mean, obviously, you're doing this as a class project, but you're, or to, you know, finish your degree, but you're obviously interested in Mm -hmm. it. Do you think you guys would have done it if it wasn't required to graduate? Would you guys have eventually made a plug-in? That's an interesting question. (laughs) Yeah, damn. Um, I mean, honestly, probably not. Okay. I say that because I think, like, we weren't, like, originally when we first came up with the idea, we didn't even know if, like, the interface was going to be that great or like how great the whole thing would be overall. So we were like, no matter what, we should maybe we'll just throw it up for free online, you know, just as like a portfolio piece for, you know, applying for jobs and stuff. It really wasn't the plan that we would try and make a living off of just making our own plugins and selling them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think without kind of the, the push for like needing to do something for senior design, yeah, I don't know if we would have had the the motivation and really the reason to just be like, let's just spend all this time making a plugin, you know? And so much of our senior design project was just seeing if we could do it. Uh, a school project kind of gives you the leeway to mess up. Like you can always kind of, after the fact, you know, finish a project. Maybe it didn't turn out quite as planned, but you can still get mm-hmm. a grade from that by learning from it. Yeah. So I think in our minds while we were making it uh, our senior year, there was never the, uh, it wasn't part of the process to create a product to sell to people. That came after the fact, which I think is a really unique, now that we do this for a living and as a job, uh, that's a really unique way to make something yeah. that you're going to sell. Because now th- that whole planning to to sell a product is part of the process from the beginning. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. okay. So then the, the product that came out is not necessarily exactly what you guys did for your your project. It wasn't like part of the project wasn't to release and like market and sell this thing. That's what you guys chose to do. No, yeah. So I found it I found version one. I mean, I think Ben, before we started, you said you guys put it out in like July of twenty nineteen, I think. I found it on Instagram mm-hmm. ads. The visual of it is great. I mean it's just like it's so it looks amazing. Is did it look like that when um when it was the school project or was that like, okay, now we have to sell this. It needs to have like a, a user interface. That's a funny story. I think so. our plan originally was like, you know, cause it, it's at its core, I guess a hardware emulation, right. right? Like just make it look like a cassette deck, you know, even back then that was like, that was Dan's whole wheelhouse. He's the one that has talent with design. Um, like if I was making the interface, it would have just been a bunch of black and white knobs. <laughs> I mean, which I guess it was, but they are black and white knobs with a little bit of something else. But yeah, we, we were just like trying to come up with ideas, like just kind of figuring out the layout and stuff. And Dan was experimenting with like making some realistic looking knobs and stuff. You know, he was sketching out layouts. And I was like, what if it looked like that? Like just his little pencil sketch. 
because I was like, I mean, that seems easier for the school project. And, you know, it's it's lo-fi. Yeah, fit the vibe. Which, yeah, fit the vibe. We asked, like, um, our uh, advisor, I went and talked to him. I was like, do you think this is a good idea? Maybe just doing, like, a hand-drawn interface? And he was like, yeah, it seems cool. Seems unique. <laughs> so we just kind of went with it. Which was a, a lot of fun. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's really every good. plugin out there these days look like looks like a hardware uh, emulation. Like it, it, it uh, tries to copy real life graphics. Yeah. Where yeah, we were like, that's that's boring though. Everybody's done that. Why not try something? <laughs> Even if it is the easy way out, just sketching it like loosely by hand. Totally. And, yeah. Uh, scanning yeah. it in. Yeah. For, it was fun. And I think it ended up being kind of unintentionally pretty attention grabbing yeah, it was it was very attention grabbing yeah we, we, i guess we we kind of hoped you know oh this doesn't look like other stuff but um yeah i think that worked out a lot better yeah, than we for, thought it would um, any listener that doesn't know what we're talking about it's it basically looks like a pencil sketch um if you haven't googled it while listening to this yet okay so then all right so you guys graduate what did you think you were gonna do like what was your plan you know a couple weeks before graduation if it wasn't this or maybe it was this at that point Dan, you had an internship, right? Yeah. Like, so my plan, we yeah, we didn't really know we could do this until probably late 2019, early 2020. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I had an internship lined up. I've been really interested in doing sound and music for live theater. So I moved back to Providence, Rhode Island, which is near where I'm from, and uh, worked for a year or until until the pandemic. And Ben was uh, planning to do a fifth year, uh, so he was still in school. Yeah, I did. Um, it was like a you could do like a get a master's degree in like one more year. Ah, uh, right. So I just signed on for that. Really wasn't having a great time. <laughs> um, I was just tired of school and like you know when we had a, you know all this all these sales coming in from Sketch, so I was like, I just want let's just try that. So I I like put the degree on pause after the first semester, and that's pretty much when we started just doing this full time. That's cool. Okay, so when you guys, uh, you decided to stop your master's degree and to dig in and do Sketch Cassette, did you have a plan or was it, it was just spiraling and you just let it keep going and tried to like jump on and steer the marketing how you could? We, you know, we, we'd already been kind of marketing it and doing support and stuff in our spare time. We had released an update just, you know, with some tiny bug fixes and stuff. So like when we started doing full time, the first thing we hopped into was Shapeshifter just making something new. Yeah, the first thing we we wanted to do was just yeah, get right into a new plugin. Uh I also think as soon as we decided we were going to do it full time, that was when we kind of decided to divvy up tasks like uh because we now wanted to run this as a full business and kind of grow it mm-hmm. and grow our our audience. Okay. We had to figure out, you know, who was going to be in charge of marketing, who was going to be in charge of all the techie businessy stuff. Uh Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a lot to figure out in that first month or so. Okay, that's one of my my questions was you guys both have separate roles essentially now to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, like Dan was saying, like I do most of the businessy boring stuff <laughs> and then like most of the processing coding, like the, you know, the actual DSP stuff under the hood. And Dan does pretty much all the coding for the UI and the design of the graphical elements on the UI, does all the marketing, makes all that stuff. But we, we work together, obviously, a lot on overall design, you know, like what effects are going to be right. in here, you know. And we're always, you know, kind of giving each other feedback on stuff like, you know, I'll have an idea of something that 
I have no idea how to actually do for the UI, but I think it'd be cool. <laughs> and I, you know, pass that over to Dan and he gives me some ideas for the effects. And yeah. And then for um for some of the marketing we work together too, to mainly just the uh like the introducing videos like for, that we did just to like kind of showcase our plugins when we first put them out. Because that's that would be a lot of work for just Dan to do. <laughs> totally. totally. If you're enjoying this episode, then please consider pulling your phone out, tapping that share button, and sending this to one person that you think would enjoy it. Obviously, it would be huge for me, but it could be even more game-changing for that person. You just never know what can inspire or help someone else out. I want to take a second to tell you about Secret Sonics, a podcast by Ben Wallach and Carl Bonner. Secret Sonics is one of my favorite shows, and it's now double amazing with the addition of Carl Bonner as a co-host. Ben and Carl have teamed up to discuss the real-world trials and triumphs of music production. They cover it all from mixing and studio tricks to branding and mindsets. If you're a fan of progressions, you'll be a fan of Secret Sonics. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts or hit the link in the show notes. I wanted to ask you, because something, I don't know if you've, if you've listened to the show, something we always talk about a lot on the show or is kind of like setting targets and goals for yourself and, and kind of breaking those down to tasks. And like, I, you know... I think putting a product out is very similar to putting a record out or launching your new website as a mixer or whatever. Did you guys do that when you mm -hmm. took it seriously? Like break it down? Like did you, you even now have a process for like when you were doing Shapeshifter, was there like, hey, this is our date for coding and this is our date for UI? Is that stuff that you were doing? Yeah. We had a whiteboard in our living room. Uh, we, when we were making Shapeshifter, we were living in a very small house, uh, with bedrooms that were too small to work in, so we'd sit on the couch and work <laughs> with our laptops. We had a white, big whiteboard right there, and we, yeah, we'd have all. We tried to break down every task. We'd have like goals, like we'd set markers, like what we'd want to have finished at the end of the week, what we'd want to have finished at the end of the month, and break those down into smaller tasks. And each week, we'd kind of re review what was on the whiteboard and add, and yeah, yeah. I find it's uh, it's like the only way to really know where you are is if you're. If you have something you can check off and target and you're like, okay, we didn't hit it this Friday, yeah. next Friday, we, by Tuesday, we need to get this and, and get on to the next one. But yeah. And it's funny because like, I think we started, we technically started working on Shapeshifter in February of 2020 and then we put it out in July. 90% of the work on it was in May and in June because um, Dan went from Providence, then came and moved in with me in Rochester in May. And before that, because like we <laughs> didn't really know what we were doing, didn't even really know what we wanted Shapeshifter to be all the way. It's just a lot of just, it, especially on my end, just like not knowing what I was doing, not really accomplishing all that much. But then once we um, were living together and like Dan was saying, something as simple as the whiteboard, just having a, at the beginning of the week, you know, this is what we're going to do this week. We're going to sit on this couch and work on stuff, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. It made things actually kind of come together a lot faster than like, like yeah, like Shapeshifter was almost entirely made in like two months, mm -hmm. even though we technically spent six right, months on it, right. you know. Uh, well, okay, so well, having having done that, do you have any tips or suggestions for even somebody that's putting a record out? Because I know you guys both make music as well. Like anything that you thought was helpful that you guys stumbled on as like a productivity thing or anything that you don't want anybody to ever do because it was a horrible experience. <laughs> I'd just say keep breaking tasks down as small as they can get, especially when you're unsure of yeah. what to do. I know sometimes I struggle like starting work in the morning, mm. unsure of what I'm going to start with. 
And sometimes it's as simple as like, yeah, just continuing to break down. Like I know what I need to have done at the end of the week. So what's the very first thing I need to do to get started on that? And the simpler it is, the easier it is to get into a rhythm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like giving yourself this monumental task that, you know, is just kind of looming over you. uh, is It's very difficult to uh, get started. Another, I guess uh, all I'd add to that is, yeah, like I have the big, issues with just procrastinating on everything like you know everyone does the biggest problem i run into is um even you know when i break things down into things that are technically small parts like say a small amount of code but if it's something that's won't take much time to actually do but it will take a lot of time to understand and like figure out what i need to do and then do it you know I find those things are harder to break down to smaller chunks because it's like I, I i don't know I, I have a hard time being like read two paragraphs of this research paper, you know, it's like, it's just like I, I, for things that are more nebulous like that, I can just get stuck and get really kind of intimidated. But the thing that always helps is just finding something completely unrelated. This is where I do most of my like boring businessy things. Okay. I'm, my mind is just shut down because I'm scared of this thing that I need to code. But then I'm just like, oh, we have a sales tax return due this week i'll just yeah. spend an hour and do that because those things are annoying to do but they're necessary and just getting them done kind of gets me past the whole i can't yeah. do anything get you, you know? into the work mindset <laughs> yeah kind of, yeah the- exactly yeah it makes you feeling productive which just makes it easier to tackle the kind of no matter how way you kind of view them the, the obstacles yeah. that are a little yeah, tougher yeah it gets the brain kick-started a little bit I have something I can add to that. For anybody that's working creatively, and I know uh, my tasks with Aberrant DSP tend to be more on the creative side, more experimenting, like doing the user interface design. I know for Shapeshifter, I went through tons of iterations of what I wanted it to look like. And for like a month and a half, I kept working on this different version of the UI. It just wasn't working, wasn't fitting with what I thought it would. So I spent an hour one day just like looking, uh, like scrolling through Tumblr or like uh, like mood boards or just Google images even just to get inspired by something random. And I think I stumbled upon this painting. I can't even tell you where where it was because I went down a rabbit hole. But I think that can be really useful for being productive in a creative environment uh, is just taking a moment to like get out of what you're doing look at random things like it doesn't even have to be anything related to what you're doing and maybe something will inspire you or an idea will stick from that yeah we had a guest on the show earlier when we started and he pulled a lot of inspiration from like architectural design and he also is a ui designer um nice but he would pull that stuff into his his music he would draw on inspiration from everywhere but yeah i feel like creative people when you say like business or like tasks and stuff like that, like I feel like they curl up in a ball sometimes. But if you can find a way, mm-hmm. kind of like Ben was talking about, where you can, you know, compartmentalize things to like what your um, like what your mood is. Like if you're not creative, but you know there's some boxes you can check on your business side, get that out of the way, clear the headspace, and then all of a sudden, you know, you might be creative again. I always push that on my listeners. They probably mm-hmm. can't take it anymore. It's all I, all I tell them to do. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so something I was going to ask you, which I guess maybe we've touched on a little bit, but since this kind of snowballed on itself and you were kind of creating the brand and the identity as you went, 
did you have to sit down and like think about like what the core value in the in the sonic template of the company was like after you put out a cassette plugin and then you put out also kind of a compressor cassette inspired plugin do you stay in that realm do you guys go outside like would you don't have to tell us what you're building next but how'd you decide to steer <laughs> the boat i think when we first put out sketch cassette we if you like look on our site there's like the about page that just like has the whole yeah. basically a mission statement you know we wrote that before we even put out the first version of sketch cassette just when we were like putting the website together to have something there but it, you know, like even though we weren't planning on doing it full time, we still wanted Aberrant DSP, whatever it was, whether it was just a hobby or whatever, to have, you know, kind of an identity. So we could, if we decide to do things in the future, which now we have, they'd all kind of fit together. And I guess that thing is mainly just like really like different and just kind of out there tools, like things you can't necessarily really get anywhere else. Like, I it's think in our uh, name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like um a lot of the ideas we have and like things we're kind of starting to work on now, um, I don't know, I'll say like probably aren't the most quote unquote useful mixed tools, you know? I I don't like, know. They're <laughs> but like I mean like sure, like sketch sketch and shapeshifter, like um I think part of their function is to definitely um, you know, you can add something subtle, just add a little bit of warmth, whatever. Um and we always want to have that in our plugins, like being able to yeah. go from like zero to 11, you know, but the kind of general theme of what a given plugin does, like for some of the ideas we've had and, you know, might put out in the future, they're, they're not going to be things you're going to use on every project probably, you know, I, I think shapeshifter is probably our most maybe general purpose. Cause I th like, I think it can work on a lot of stuff. And I mean, sketch that can too, but I think once you start pushing it harder, it's a, a little more specified. From the beginning, I think we've kind of wanted to make things like that, like things that are specific and that can kind of, you know, be really subtle and just kind of a tasteful little bit of interestingness or completely mess stuff up and make things really different. Yeah. While you were saying that after Dan said it's in our name, I, I Googled aberrant and uh so i've learned a new word it means um <laughs> parting from the accepted standard so um so yeah so now i feel yeah. smarter but so okay so you guys are you guys are obviously probably working on on new products and you have two products out there that are doing their thing do you feel like you have more time to balance or i mean do you guys do eight hours a day on on aberrant or are you able to work on your own music i know you both have projects that you put out but what's that? What's your balance like at, at this point? I mean, ideally, eight hours of aberrant a day. You know, sometimes we're lazy, <laughs> but um, it, you know, it, it's great being able to make time for other stuff if we want. But we try to make it our full time thing. Um, and Dan's much more active with you know still doing music stuff. I haven't been writing anything or anything for years, really, just because you know. When you're staring at plugins and thinking about plugins all day, sitting down to start recording stuff can be, at least for me, can be a little tiresome. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I was just going to add that, yeah, we're in a really lucky situation uh, where most people, I, I think, like two years out of college are in a job that is a bit more binding. So we, we've definitely had the opportunity to, you know, as Ben said, we made this our full-time job, so we're trying to do it as full-time as possible. 
But, you know, I have music projects going and sometimes I'll say to Ben, hey, today I want to work on music because I'm in a role uh, with it. Or maybe I'll spend an hour, you know, like in in the middle of my day to kind of take a break when I'm feeling stumped with aberrant stuff uh, to clear my head by, you know, playing guitar or going for a walk or, you know, something that might end up helping me, you know, if I'm stuck with what we're working on. But, you know, is an, an, an extra project. Right, right. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that, I, I didn't know if it was, uh, I mean, obviously it's your full-time job, but I didn't know you guys have a lot of stuff you got to do. I guess you got to do like support emails and you guys, because you guys are doing everything. You have nobody else, right? It's just you guys. Yeah. Yeah, you guys yeah. do everything. Yeah. Yeah, we... We don't. We don't even really have an accountant. We need one though. Yeah, that's on our <laughs> open call for accountants. <laughs> we did a bunch of like businessy nonsense last year. Like you know, became an yeah. LLC and got our a company bank account instead of just my Chase college checking. <laughs> and oh god, we did our taxes ourselves this year, and it was just I never want to do that again. Yeah, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's because I probably, you know, someone who knew knew what they were doing probably could have saved us thousands of dollars and it would have been way easier. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you know, something uh, a little bit off off topic that I we usually talk about in the beginning on the show. How did you guys get into music? Ben, you said you were taking stuff apart and like playing with your parents' cassettes and stuff. But Dan, you play guitar. You were taking stuff apart. How'd you get started? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've been into music music and musical stuff since I was a very little kid. Uh, that's kind of been all, always been a core part of my personality. Uh, I learned how to play piano and guitar from an early age. I kind of bounced between a lot of instruments in high school because I, I suddenly felt like I needed to learn everything. I took saxophone lessons. Um, I played various instruments and in jazz bands and stuff. And that was kind of my introduction to the audio world when I started like writing my own songs in high school and I wanted to record and I got like this tiny little eight track portable recorder. And yeah, that was kind of my introduction into the audio and music engineering program at, uh, at the university of Rochester. And, uh, that's how Ben and I met. So yeah, I've always been very musical person. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Ben, did you have anything you wanted to add onto your, your story? You play. Yeah, I, um, yeah, like uh, guitar and drums and stuff. Um, ben creates really great lo-fi music, and uh, he records to cassette. He did, <laughs> did before uh, before we even made the sketch cassette plugin, and that was part of the inspiration. Yeah, I, I more accurately, I used to. <laughs> I haven't in a long time, but you know, maybe I'll. I'm just, I'm kind of just waiting to till I feel like it again. But um, I kind of got really into recording and you know like you know traditional audio engineering um in high school like i had a bunch of friends who were musicians and stuff bought a bunch of mics and and interface and all this stuff i was always recording people in my house and just mixing it like going into college that's kind of what i thought i wanted to do i thought i wanted to be a mix engineer or something i got an internship i think summer after sophomore year of college um at sear sound in new york yeah yeah which was i mean it was amazing it was super cool but it also just taught me how much of a lifestyle being like a mix engineer can be yeah it can seep into so many things you know and sear was kind of a specific type of studio you know it's old and the the clientele can be you know demanding and it's it's like a really kind of high standard so that was 
kind of a high stress um, exposure <laughs> to it, as cool as it was. Yeah. But that made me, you know, kind of start rethinking stuff a little bit. Like, I liked mixing, you know, but I was like, I also like coding. Maybe I should look into some other stuff, you know, and here we are, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go down that traditional recording studio mix engineer path, it's, you know, you're giving up you know, your evenings for years, you're just, you're making so many, so many sacrifices, which I was going to ask you, since you guys work for yourself, do you guys try to set hard limits or will you guys do like a 16 hour coding session when you're getting close to the the wire? (laughs) A bit of both. (laughs) A bit of both? Yeah, we we, do what's necessary. We try to set limits. I think Dan's better than I am about setting limits. <laughs> Dan's better at like being regimented with the eight hours a day thing too. Like yeah. um, I'm the one that always is <laughs> sleeping late and, you know, like getting distracted at work and just getting nothing done. What that can kind of turn into if we have a deadline and stuff is me just working like seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, it <laughs> seems, um, which obviously is no good. I kind of, I hate that I do that because it's, it's just, it's, stressful and i'm anxious like i i start i think i've slowly gotten better but like when we were finishing up shapeshifter there were so many things we hadn't done before that i was you know trying to bug test and you know some sticky bugs that i needed to like kind of figure out what was wrong before we were done with it and i was staying up till you know like three four in the morning and then i'd like go to bed and just like still be thinking like my mind's just spinning and spinning about this C plus plus issue I'm having. And I, it, it got to the point I'd start having dreams about code, <laughs> which is just like, you know, no one needs that. Um, no, definitely not. You know, I would get a lot done in those spurts, but like it could have been a lot, would have been a lot easier for everyone if I had just been taken, you know, a week where I work, 120 hours basically and just spread it out over two weeks you know i recognized early on uh when we started doing it full time that it was going to be really difficult if i didn't try at least as hard as i could to say this is going to be my start time each day this is going to be my end time each day yeah Um, because as soon as you like let go of that (laughs) you could quite easily not get anything done and i mean we're both very new to working for ourselves it's a very weird and surreal experience uh not not having anybody to tell us what to do yeah um, i feel like it's yeah. something yeah you have to skill. really self-motivate yeah. yeah yeah it's definitely definitely yeah. a skill yeah along those lines and i've been you know i've only been doing a podcast for i don't know like seven months um and i've had a lot of fun i've learned a bunch of new stuff and like learned how to do you know all the things that i need to learn how to do do you guys love learning the new stuff? Like when you run into like, shit, I got to figure this out or now we need to figure out this marketing technique or like who's going to learn Google Analytics? Like have you guys <laughs> just been diving into everything? That's what it's all about. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I know yeah. I personally yeah. love uh, every every time. I mean, it can be stressful, but every time I've we're working, like, I mean, it happens like once a month at least that we're, you know, with a project that we're working on that there's something I've never done before. Uh, now it's happening more more than ever because we're venturing into super unknown territory with our new plugin. Where yeah, there's something a super hard problem to figure out, but it's super rewarding once you do, once you do figure it out, and then you feel like you've unlocked a whole mm-hmm. old you know section of skill set, or wh- whether it's a skill or whether it's just uh, knowing something about audio or knowing something about coding that you didn't know before. 
Yeah. And for me, I especially, ben, ben did a minor in computer science, and he's a much stronger coder than I am. But most of the programming skills I have, I've developed since we started this. I think prior oh, okay. to uh, making Sketch Cassette, I had taken an intro course and like one audio programming class, and that was it. So, uh, you know, two semesters taught uh, total of, of education when it comes to coding. So it's been rewarding to, mm-hmm. to learn as I go. Yeah, that's, uh, I think uh, me and my, my buddy, we've talked a lot of shit about making a plugin or like, we should make a plugin that does this. Let's make a plugin that does this and never, you know, never really get into it. And then I, <laughs> I tried to make iPhone apps like maybe six <laughs> or s- seven years ago and a couple months I was doing online courses, I was all into it. And I was like, man, this is hard. This is really, uh, this makes no sense to me. So yeah, props to you guys mm-hmm. for pulling, uh, pulling that off. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've really, uh, I've, en- I've enjoyed hanging. I've got one more question that I close every show with. I don't know if you guys want to answer this sure. individually or if you want to answer it as a company, but, uh, right now, what is your current biggest goal and what is the next smallest step you are going to do to go towards that goal? Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, we have like a, yeah, we have... From Ben and I talking over the past year or so about, you know, starting Aberrant DSP, continuing to work on it, I'd say that our biggest goal is to just create, like, (laughs) it's not really a goal, but just to create as many plugins as we can uh, that we're proud of. Uh, We we don't Mm -hmm. really know what the future holds for Aberrant DSP. We both would love uh, to see it grow to maybe add team members down the line when that's possible. Uh, and the way to do that, we think, is to just make more products and continue to kind of grow our audience and uh, learn more about marketing and, you know, uh, just learn more about being a, a small business. Yeah, but I mean, I'd say pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It, it still feels like we're, you know, we have two plugins out, you know, it's like feels like we're getting started, you know, like it's obviously we've had a great start, you know, it, we're able to do this full time, but. It kind of what, you know, we were talking about earlier with like, you know, what our brand is trying to be, all that, you know, like just, I guess, you know, make more proof mm-hmm. of that, you know, make kind of fill out the idea of who Aberrant DSP is, you know, just through more stuff, you know, more products. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I guess the smallest step would just be uh, the next thing we have to code for our <laughs> next plugin, <laughs> you know, that's- the just make more plugins answer might, you know, seem kind of vague and non-specific but that's kind of how it feels you know we do i feel like we kind of are going one project at a time and um just kind of day by day you know just to prevent from getting too freaked yeah. out no i mean well i think you know the fact that you guys are doing as well as you are i think it it shows that when you have when you have a great idea and great product in that in today's world and the way the marketplace works like you can actually like rise to the top you know like you can find your way to in front of the people that you need to be in front of and they will enjoy what you're making. So I think, uh, I think you guys are doing the right thing, but, um, this has been a ton of fun. Do you, uh, there will be links to your website and stuff in the show notes, but do you want to tell everybody where you are on the internet? Uh, yeah, just, uh, aberrantdsp.com. Um, and, uh, all of our, ads on you know like uh, facebook or twitter i mean ma- mainly instagram i guess is like where we post the most we have a tiktok um, now <laughs> are, they're all Ooh, just getting the tiktok oh yeah we have a tiktok 
which we we have two TikToks. We need to be a little more active on there. That's but you know, something it's, I'll it's, work on. I don't understand that platform. <laughs> I don't understand it either. It's confusing. Yeah. I'm leaving that to Dan. <laughs> Figured it'd be a fun, yeah, uh, yeah a I, fun I, new way to reach yeah. new people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it suit. I think it suits us just being, you know, two guys and a cat. You know. <laughs> Just making it seem more, I mean, it's not, that sounds calculated, <laughs> but you know, like just, you know, showing people what we're up to, you know, it's not like we're two guys and a cat and it's all business <laughs> yeah. all the time, you know. It's mostly not um, business. <laughs> that's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but that's why it's fun. You know, if you're not having fun, yeah. then why are you doing anything? You know, it's like everybody should have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah and I, I think, you know, like, at the, I don't know, the thing I always see about, you know, Growing your social media presence and all that is like people just like to, you know, see people, you know, like it's like it. I think we're in a fortunate position where like we literally are just two guys and a cat and people have responded really well to just seeing that. Yeah, that's who we are. You know, like it's I think people like supporting a company that feels like it's just a couple of guys, you know, instead of a faceless, you know, yeah. some kind of name, faceless, yeah. <laughs> faceless. Well, I mean, thing, this interview, you know? I mean, I, that's proof of that because that's what I said. I was like, oh yeah, it's just these two guys. I'm going to, I'm going to hit them up. I was like, I, I love this plugin. I'm going to see what's going on. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. there's, people are into like, uh, the stuff being real, you know, like the behind the scenes videos yeah. and always do better than the edited and fixed up ones and stuff like that. So I think you guys are like I said. I'm I'm, I'm stoked mm-hmm. for you guys. I, I love to see that there's people out there that are making products and doing well and making good products too. So thank you so much for for coming on the show. Uh, it's been like I said, a ton of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, this was fun. So that's it for episode 38. Thanks to Ben and Daniel for coming on the show. Be sure to check out their plugins. They're great. And if you're enjoying the show, please drop a review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, don't forget to join us over at completeproducer.net and get in the conversation there. I'll see you next week.